So over the last few weeks, we've been looking at some of the things that Jesus said about himself. He said a lot of different things. And John's gospel is the place where these are recorded for us. He often talked about himself as being, I am something. And I thought you might like to see some pictures to see if you can guess, those of you who perhaps haven't been here in previous weeks, what sort of I am sayings did he say? Do you recognise any of those pictures? I am the bread of life. Can you see a loaf up there? Yes, down there. I am the bread of life, said Jesus. What else do you think he said based on one of those pictures? I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. One of the school age people, what do you think Jesus was saying in that top picture there? I am the shepherd. I am the good shepherd, he said. Well done. So we've got three so far. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. And we'll see light later on when Clara receives her very own baptism candle. I am the good shepherd. This is a bit of a giveaway, isn't it? I am the way. Anybody seen the film? It's a good film. I am the way. What about the one in the middle? Empty tomb. So Jesus said, I am the resurrection. I am the resurrection. I am the resurrection and the life, he said. And today we're coming to one more, and it's the last in our series. I am the true vine. And each of these statements that Jesus made are powerful claims about who he is and what he came to do. And they challenge us to consider what we believe about Jesus and how we respond and choose to live in the light of that belief. Now, when Jesus said this, I am the true vine, it was something he said about himself in the upper room the night before he died. He was gathered together with his friends and they were having supper together. And this was what he said, I am the true vine. And so often, as we've seen from the previous pictures, when Jesus was teaching his disciples or the crowds, he used pictures, pictures that were part of their everyday experience. Everyday items such as bread or salt or everyday occupations such as fishing or being a shepherd and looking after sheep. And when Jesus said, I am the vine, what he's doing is he's drawing on something that his friends knew a lot about. Because the vineyard that looks like this in the Golan Heights, even today in Israel, was something everyone was familiar with. It was the place where the plants grew that produced grapes. And everybody had something to do with growing grapes. You could be a producer growing grapes in a large field and making wine. Or perhaps you just had a vineyard at home in your backyard or maybe by your house and you produced the grapes and the wine for your own family and friends. But many of the images that Jesus used in his teaching were not just literal pictures about everyday activities. They also had an important religious meaning as well. 
And the image of the vine was one of the most powerful images for his friends and the people of Israel. Because throughout much of the history of the people, they saw themselves as God's vineyard. God's vineyard. The vine stood as a symbol of God's people of Israel. She was the nation that God had rescued from Egypt and had planted in the promised land. And God's purposes had always been that this nation, this nation planted in Canaan as a new people of God, should maintain their faithful relationship with him and would be a blessing to others, not just to themselves. They were supposed to continue in that relationship with God so that they would know his ongoing protection and his guidance throughout the ages. Just as a gardener tends and prunes a vineyard or an orchard that he's lovingly planted. And if they did that, they would thrive and be fruitful. But sadly, that's not what happened. Over the centuries, they didn't live up to God's standards. And on so many occasions, God was disappointed with the ways in which they behaved. And we find many references in the Old Testament to what happened. They were supposed to be a source of blessing, but actually they didn't produce good fruit. And we find in Isaiah and in Jeremiah verses that signify how badly things went wrong. Justice and righteousness went out the window. And instead of the choice vine of sound stock, healthy grapes, what happened was that they became a wild, corrupt vine. Instead of producing a crop of good grapes, they produced bad grapes that were unfit for human consumption. And God was angry about this state of affairs because they hadn't lived up to their calling. By the time of Jesus, the vine was still the symbol of the nation of Israel, and it was one of the great glories of the temple in Jerusalem that you could go into the temple and you could see a golden decoration of a vine on the walls. So when Jesus talks about himself being the true vine, what he's saying is something very profound. He's saying that belonging to God's people is not about the nation into which you were born. It's not about the family inheritance that you have, who your parents were. It's about your relationship with Jesus. Jesus is the true vine, the genuine source of all belonging and the real source of all goodness and love. And his friends and his followers are supposed to be branches linked into this vine. And his father is the gardener who tends them so that they grow strong and healthy. What's important, Jesus explains, is that a fruitful life, life in all its fullness, is dependent on us having a close relationship with him. He is the vine, the source of all life. And we must be branches securely joined to him if we are to thrive and fulfill the unique calling that God has created us for in love. 
And it's actually very timely that we have Clara here this morning being baptised because it offers us a lovely picture of what it can look like to be incorporated as a branch into the vine of Christ. We've used various images. We've used water, which helps us understand the mystery of how we can be washed clean and revitalised for fresh life. We've seen the signing of the cross on Clara's forehead, which reminds us of Jesus' love pour out for us in life and in death so that we can belong to his family. But I don't know if you noticed in some of the words on the screen, we also spoke of being grafted, that's a gardening term, into Christ as a member of his body, God's family. And if this notion of being in a close relationship with Jesus is new or unfamiliar to you, or if perhaps you feel today that God is prompting you to revisit or rekindle a faith that you once had, then please do follow that up. You can speak to Matthew or to myself so we can help you on your faith journey, perhaps by giving you a small booklet to take away and read or by meeting with you on another occasion. So the purpose of any vine is to bear good and healthy fruit, but this is only possible if the plant receives the right kind of care and attention from the gardener throughout the seasons of the year. And any branches that are diseased or rotten or which fail to bear the fruit that they're designed to bear need to be cut off. If they're not, then they drain away the strength of the more promising parts of the plant and the grapes won't grow. And even those fruit-bearing branches need to be well-supported and kept clean from pests and disease by having parts of them pruned back so that next season they can bear even more fruit. And so it is with our own lives as Christians. The secret of fruitfulness is to remain fully connected to the vine and to allow the gardener to do the essential work that only he can do. And as we consider what this means in our own individual lives and in our corporate life as Camborne Church, perhaps it's helpful to ask ourselves these questions. How do I stay fully connected to Jesus day by day in my life? And how do we do this as a church together? And how might I experience God's pruning in my life? And how do we experience pruning as a church? Well, staying connected to Jesus can really only happen as we spend time in prayer with God as we study and learn from God's word, the Bible, as we meet with God's people for fellowship and engage in service for others. And just as Jesus encouraged his friends in that upper room, so he invites us to share that sort of life, his life, drawing strength from his example and his teaching and from his spirit dwelling in us. And as we celebrate this new season in the church calendar, Pentecost Sunday, it's a good time to reflect on whether God is challenging each of us and ourselves as a church 
to deepen our relationship with Jesus in some way so that we allow ourselves to be more fully rooted in God's love and to abide more fully in him. And what about pruning? What does that look like in our Christian journey? And what does it achieve? Well, the first sort of pruning that Jesus mentioned seems to be about removing those negative things that get in the way of healthy growth. Could God be challenging us to turn away from certain activities or certain behaviours or thought patterns which have a damaging impact on our spiritual life? There are behaviours and attitudes which can subtly enslave us ranging from a tendency to gossip or to put others down, to insisting on our own way or needing to be in control. We had an interesting discussion last week at the staff team about the the way in which we can so easily become enslaved to our email or social media and how sometimes God calls for a pruning in our life, of those things that are getting in the way of healthy relationships with him and with others. If we're going to be freed of those things, those rotten branches that prevent healthy growth, then we're likely to need the support of others as well as the grace of God. But the second type of pruning that Jesus mentions involves trimming back the healthy, fruit-bearing branches so that they can bear more fruit in the right places. Sometimes there are changes in the circumstances or seasons of our lives which force us to lay down certain things. It could be family responsibilities. It could be illness or work considerations. As we lay those things down, often without perhaps choosing to do so, we can experience a sense of pain and loss. But if we can look at it as a way in which perhaps we are being pruned by the master gardener so that we will be more fruitful in the future, maybe that's a way of coping and experiencing the growth that we need to experience if we are to grow up to be more like Jesus. Sometimes things are more in control, but we still need to make a conscious decision to review the range of things that we're doing, maybe laying down some things so that God can channel more of his life-giving spirit and energy into fewer and more targeted areas, those areas where fruitfulness is God's strategic priority rather than ours. And that may be true for us as individuals. And it's going to be true for us as a church too. It's worth remembering that busyness is not necessarily a sign of fruitfulness. Just as an abundance of leaves and leafy foliage on a vine does not guarantee the presence of lots of fruit. Today is Pentecost Sunday. So it's quite appropriate that we are reflecting on the image of Jesus as the vine and ourselves as the fruit-bearing branches because the Jewish people saw Pentecost as the festival 
that took place 50 days after the Passover Sabbath, and it was specifically a harvest festival, a time when the people of Israel gave thanks to God for the successful spring harvest and brought barley loaves as an offering. And as we heard in that second reading from Acts, this was also the festival when God's Holy Spirit was released in a new and powerful way, just as Jesus had described and promised to his followers when they gathered in that upper room for that final supper together. The coming of God's Holy Spirit in this way is often said to signal the birthday of the Christian church. And it marks the start of the spread of the gospel to all nations throughout the world. Through God's grace, the early disciples steadily grew an ever deeper understanding of what it meant to abide in Christ, to be branches grafted into the true vine. So Jesus, as the true vine, is a picture of love at work. Just as a vine pours life into its fruit, so Jesus pours out abundant life, his abundant life, for his friends. And they, in turn, are enlivened and empowered to share that love of God and life of Jesus with others, with the world. And Clara would not be here today, and none of us would be here today, were it not for that faithfulness and fruitfulness of the early Christians that we heard of in our second reading. And as we gather here today as Christ's body in Camborne and welcome Clara grafted into the vine of Christ, so Jesus challenges each and all of us as his followers to continue that abiding in his love and that sharing of his life in our own time and place. Amen.